I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, the author of 15 books, the subject of a long, extensive radio series, uh, the, uh, the subject of a documentary, and many years in education, and now the host of her wonderful show, the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, the, the host, and I'm very proud to be her co-host each and every week, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg. Doc, how are you? I'm doing well. My new book just came out. Oh just wow! Days ago. Oh, and and what's the name? And and let's uh, let's do all the uh, all the actual uh, promotion of it. And let's let's urge people to get this book. Uh, what is the what is the name of the book? It's uh, the name of it is Before the Alamo, yep. and. Uh, it is not listed under my name <laughs> uh, yet, but it's under title, available as a paperback for sixteen fifty, <laughs> and as an ebook. So it can be had in either either version. Ebook is, of course, always cheaper, much yeah. cheaper. Uh, but anyway, before the Alamo, a story about a young woman who grows up. She was born in eighteen fourteen. And she grows up in Hispanic Texas, when Texas was still Mexico. And all of the very exciting events that happened to Texas during that time. And uh, she also, of course, lives during the Anglo influx, which uh, takes sweeps Texas and sweeps away the Mexicans and turns them into a third or fourth class uh, people. Um, with a very bad reputation for laziness and sleeping under, uh, sleeping all day under a uh, saguaro cactus or something. Uh, With a sombrero put under over their eyes and, you know, that stereotypical Uh, nonsense. And they were called greasers and so on. She lived from a period when uh, San Antonio was wholly Spanish-speaking and very well run, uh, something which the Anglos never gave credit for, uh, and uh, lived into a period when the Mexicans, uh, all Spanish speakers, were being driven out and uh, driven onto the roads right after the uh, the victory at San Jacinto, after the Alamo fell. Um, and so all of these events are in the book and as seen through the eyes of a young woman. Uh, she was also in the Alamo battle as a nurse and survived that, uh, and so forth. So uh, I, I urge people who have any interest in history uh, to read the book because Texas was really Mexico. Yeah, we did a wonderful show. We did a wonderful show. I'll urge everyone to binge listen to that. It was great. And it was while you were just putting the finishing touches on it. And yes, uh, right. it was it was one, it fascinating. I'm just so fascinated. Well, I urge everyone to get this book and uh, just to, it, yeah, it, it's it's a wonderful time to give a little bit of history on Texas because, of course, uh, Texas is uh, is in the news and, and maybe, you know, kind of an example of of what it took to get here. Now, I hope Texas 
is still standing the next time we speak because Nicholas <laughs> is on its way. And, yes, you're right. And, uh, uh, before we get to Nicholas, however, I just want to say that now the Hispanic population, which is uh, the center of this book, uh, is being excluded from its vote, from its uh, power of voting by the uh, the latest bill that went through our state legislature, uh, which is uh, try. It, ostensibly is trying to do away with fraud in in voting which did not take place by the way in texas since trump won the state they don't they're not contesting the (laughs) probity of the vote in texas but they have passed this bill to restrict uh, voting from the black population in east texas and of course the hispanic population that still exists all over texas Uh, and so that's the irony of the whole thing uh, crazy. crazy. And the book is called Before the Alamo, and it's available under title. So I hope people will be curious and look look at it. Yeah, well, and now we can talk about uh, about the impact of the latest hurricane. Yeah, and that's Nicholas, and boy, that means we're all the way up to the ends. I don't know what yeah. what what happens when when we get to uh, hur- Hurricane Zephra. Or Zephaniah. Uh, We go to the Greek alphabet. No kidding. Is that true? That's right. Wow. We did that last year, 2020. We were in the Greek alphabet because of the many storms. And by the way, uh, we have had, since August 24th, when Ida uh, hit Louisiana and inundated, literally flooded uh, Louisiana, and then went right across and flooded New Jersey and New York, New York City. And you can talk about that, Frank, yeah. because yep. you were up there. You witnessed a lot of that. And um, so we have had since then, we have had Julian, Kate, and uh, the L, I don't know, and Mindy, and now Nicholas. So, <laughs> so I, J, K, L, M, N. Since August 24th. Yeah. And, and of course, Julian, Kate, and Mindy were of less impact. Mindy hit Florida Panhandle hard and inundated Florida, the Florida Panhandle. Uh, but it didn't hit the rest of the, uh, the nation the way Ida did. But now Nicholas is headed towards uh, southern Texas, uh, the South Texas coast. So uh, it's liable to bring us heavy rain and uh, perhaps some high winds as far inland as San Antonio. Oh, I hope. I, I Look, I don't remember this kind of impactful hurricanes happening every year um, when, I was, uh, when I was younger. And mm-hmm. I, I, now it's every few weeks. Yeah, it's and constant and never-ending. And, you know, it's, you know, there's still those out there that are denying climate change. And uh, for the life of me, I don't understand. It's like you could just look at the facts, just look at the weather patterns. What do they say? That's just cyclical and and it happens like that. And just amazing to me that people still uh, talk about climate change or deny climate change. They still deny it. Yes. Yeah. That's that's the absolute weirdness of it all. 
and it's it's usually unfortunately the Democ- the, the Republican Party that is blocking uh, measures to uh, curtail the pollution and other uh, uh, the exploitation of fu- uh, fossil fuels that uh, cont- is contributing heavily to climate change and I would like to talk about the history of climate change maybe for uh, part of the hour yeah I I, I I think it's a it's it's a great subject let me let me just say this I remember Hurricane Bell that was the first hurricane I remember and I was nine years old 1976 oh, yeah. it was our bicentennial and I was nine years old at the time and I'm just looking up now and it was in August. It was in August of 1976, and uh, you know it, it uh, made landfall on Long Island uh, as a minimal hurricane crossing Long Island. But I remember it was a big deal back then. But I, it, let me just point out that Bell, B E L L E, unless they changed the methodology of how it went, I'm pretty sure it still went in order. That's that's in August that it happened, and. Um, uh, you know, so if you were just up to bees in August uh, in in 1976, I mean we're we're at end now, and we're we're not even halfway through um, September yet. So I mean, that's uh, and if that's any indication, maybe that's a uh, that's a bad example. But I mean, to me, um, why are people still talking about denying climate change? It's just insane to me. Right, that's right. Yeah. Well, the first inkling of, uh, uh, of the first warnings, I should say, uh, regarding the environment and global warming and uh, pollution and human activity causing all of it, or not all of it, certainly, but a good chunk of it, uh, was when Rachel Carson published Silent Spring in 1962. Uh, she was warning against DDT which had been discovered during World War II and used in massive quantities to deal with uh, lice and other vermin uh, among the, uh, the soldiers who were out there in foxholes and so forth during the war. And my husband, Kurt Weinberg, uh, said that they just dumped it on them, uh, almost uh, smothered them with it. And he must have inhaled it, and and it got into his mouth and eyes, ears, uh, all over him. Uh, And he died of Parkinson's many years later, but I suspect that that Parkinson's was caused by DDT, because it was deadly to man and beast. (laughs) Amazing. But uh, it was deadly to insects, and therefore it was being used in agriculture, and therefore it was killing off birds because uh, uh, it was thinning uh, their egg shells. When they laid their eggs, uh, the shells would break, and uh, so no offspring. And that was why Silent Spring had got its name. Uh, Shortly after that, so in the 60s and 70s, I remember very clearly, my mother in particular, my mother was very tuned into these things. She was the head librarian at Crowder College, and near Joplin in uh, Missouri, and she, uh, Crowder was a brand new school in the early, I think, late 50s, and they hired her to create the library for that uh, college, and she did, 
and she remained the librarian for a good 20 years and uh, uh, won prizes uh, for the best lib- uh, college library in the state and things like that. But in any case, she kept up with uh, all the developments regarding the environment. Um, and uh, back in those days, suddenly, because of Silent Spring, the warnings about DDT and the warnings against killing all the insects and so forth, a magazine uh, came out called Organic Gardening. And Mother descri- uh, subscribed to that, of course, and so, so did we in Rochester, New York. And uh, we gardened accordingly. And so we did not use pesticides at all on our lawn or in the garden. And uh, we had a wonderful vegetable garden there in uh, in Rochester. Uh, and uh, we had Troy-built uh, lawnmowers, and uh, they were uh, uh, Troy, New York, I think, was where Organic Gardening was published. But they also had a factory there for uh, gardening implements and machines. And we had a Troy-built lawnmower. Uh, and we began, my, my mother and, uh, and the Weinbergs began recycling, and that was in the 60s and 70s. So it was, it's not a recent thing. But, of course, we did not know that uh, the careful recycling we did was headed straight for the city dump anyway. Wow. And still is. Wow. Do, yeah. do, you, do you think that you, you just said that? Um, that it still is. I see. That's my concern. I go way out of my way to find recycling um, outlets, and, uh, and because the the daily garbage, not daily, the weekly garbage, every Wednesday they're supposed to uh, do recycling, and every other yeah. week it's it's plastic, and then the next week after that it's cardboard, and uh, I I've discovered that on college campuses they're they're a little they're a little better about it. So if I have um, uh, you know, if I collect my uh, family's recyclable and it, and it uh, and it's uh, it's building up for the two weeks, I'll go to the college. And I don't know, nobody's ta- it's I'm alumni there, Stony Brook. No one's told me that I can't do that. And I'll go and I'll put it there. And if I see things along the road that are littered on the side of the road, I'll pick that up and I'll and I'll put it there. But I go way out of my way to do mm-hmm. recycling mm-hmm. and uh, and. Oh, yeah. You know, kind of uh, feel good about it, uh, but if if you're telling me that it's going right to the city dump, um, I would be very disappointed. I mean, they're just yes. Well, I think unfortunately, much of it. I'm not sure that all of it, but uh, I think uh, the uh, cat cat food and dog food cans that are 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 tin and and uh, what else? Um, uh, I think the tin is being recycled. Uh, and several other things are actually being recycled. But anything, I think plastic is what is not being recycled. Wow. Uh, for a long time, it was being put on barges and sent to China. And China finally got piled up so high, mountain, mountain high, with uh, imported plastics that they refused to take any more. And now we are dumping it in the ocean. Or we are burying it in the, in the city dumps, and uh, I think this is. And people don't know it, 
um, I just uh, there was a publication came out recently that said don't be fooled uh, because uh, all of your efforts are are being uh, sidelined by uh, by people who simply can't cope with the volume of recycled materials since plastic apparently it's very difficult to uh, uh, to recycle it takes several different steps and so on it's not uh, it's also expensive so there you are uh, economics greed will determine whether things are recycled or not and apparently that's what's happening with the plastic recycling effort and I continue to recycle anyway uh, San Antonio is the city that that uh, picks up your recycled goods uh, once a week mm. So there's a special bin for recycled materials, and they pick it up, and it's a special truck. Uh, and I hope that it's actually going to where it should go, namely to recycling factories. But I'm I'm being very skeptical about it because usually these good good news things turn out to be uh, illusions <laughs> once you dig a little deeper. But anyway, uh, so the recycling started back in the 1970s, certainly. Um, and also the natural foods uh, craze. Uh, I don't know whether you remember Ewell Gibbons and uh, book yeah, he, called Yeah, he was a Talk naturalist. The Wild Asparagus. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he, had a, uh, he was the bestseller in the United States. And my mother... Uh, who was a botanist? I mean, she took that in school, in in college when she went through uh, uh, Park College in in the 1920s. Uh, she learned about uh, uh, plants and natural uh, foods and all that. And then when this movement started, and she read uh, Talking the Wild Asparagus. Uh, she began going into the woods there in southern Missouri, where the woods are beautiful and full of edible plants. And she would gather plants. So she was making bread out of uh, of acorn flour, uh, and <laughs> and uh, of course e uh, finding uh, uh, other edible uh, plants such as poke poke weed. Uh, which can substitute for asparagus if you know how to uh, to treat oakweed. You have to parboil it first because it ha uh, has some toxins in it that you get rid of once you've parboiled it, and then uh, then you fix it whatever however you want for uh, cooked asparagus, and it's delicious, delicious and free, free for the taking. And so on. So she uh, she had a whole, and she also got, gathered mushrooms, learned about mushrooms, which ones were not to be eaten and which ones were. And so she and I, when I went to visit her uh, from Rochester to southern Missouri, uh, she and I would go out on mushroom hunts and, and gather the baskets full of these wonderful, delicious wild mushrooms. Uh, so um, all of these things had to do with um, 
living with with nature and in harmony with nature, uh, which is what the, the global warming problem has taught a number of us to do. You know, uh, there's a couple things I just want to comment on. First of all, Rachel Carson, God bless her, 1962, yeah. talking about DDT. And, uh, you know, I doubt very, very few people of her of her stature uh, would um, would have been talking about DDT at that uh, at that point. And, you know, anyone with the that kind of uh, celebrity and then, uh, you know, the same accolades go to Mrs. Byam. And, uh, you know, and the, the fact that, first of all, she was a she was a college um, a college uh, attendee in the 20s for a woman is is just amazing right i mean uh, there there had to be so much working against a woman to get into college at that uh, what did you say park college she was in uh, yes park college which is now park university yeah um yes she was there i think from uh, 1928 uh, 27 28 and uh, and, and for, uh, so forth um she even she published poems when she was there. Uh, she she enjoyed uh, Park College enormously, and then of course she got her degree in library science later on and became a librarian. At, as I say, uh, at various places, but the last one for twenty years at uh, at Crowder College, which uh, she she helped build that school actually because she was the the librarian and. Uh, was serving all the students and faculty. So what a woman! What a what an incredible woman! Yeah, she was a fine, fine woman, and she taught me all about plants. And so uh, I, I'm grateful to her. She uh, she was a <clears throat> a teacher for me in many ways. So, but to go back to the history of the global warming yes. uh, realization of it, I think. Uh, um, Al Gore was one of the early ones who started talking about global warming. And, and, and Inconvenient course, Truth. Uh, and Inconvenient Truth, I think, was the name of his documentary that, that brought a lot of attention. And he, yes, he, An Inconvenient he, Truth, exactly. He, he got a lot of criticism. He got mocked. Oh, my for, goodness. He was ridiculed. He was sneered at by the, by the opposite party. Of course, Al was... Uh, was vice president for many years under Bill Clinton. Eight years, right? 1993 to 2001. And really and won the election in, president in 2000 against George Bush and actually won the, the popular vote, which seems to be happening regularly with presidents who actually lost the 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 popular vote, but become president anyway. Yep. And Al Gore was uh, uh, was voted, <laughs> not voted for by the Supreme Court. It was uh, George Bush who got the Supreme Court's vote, and so he became our next president after uh, Bill Clinton. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and then go ahead. after him, Obama made it into uh, into office. But under George Bush, there was very, very little done uh, to further the global global warming and uh, environmental protection uh, part of things. Uh, uh, Bill Clinton had done quite a bit, 
uh, thanks to uh, to Al Gore, who, by the way, is still alive and still very active in that field of uh, environmental protection. It's a passion of his. Got the Nobel Prize for it. Yeah, it's a passion I, I of his. Forgotten that. Yeah. He he's passionate about it. He's he's uh, yes. naturally passionate. I mean, he when he talks about the environment, I mean, he you could tell that this this is a man who cares. He's you know he's not doing it for publicity. He's not doing it for uh, any. You know, he absolutely cares about the environment. And right. the and, and inconvenient truth was outstanding. And I think it got an Academy Award. Yes. Yes. It was uh, it. It was a film. He wrote the book, and then they made it into a film yep. uh, that won all kinds of prizes. And the book was a bestseller too. So there are huge numbers of us uh, here in the United States who who recognize that global warming is a fact. We see it certainly now that it has become so vicious and so destructive, and is killing people and. Uh, uh, flooding and and tornadoes and fires and uh, so it's it's destroying the country and those who are still denying it are out of their minds and of course there is also the the melting of Arctic and Ant- Antarctic ice which is causing death to the animals that depend on the ice uh, surfaces in order to live. Um, so the polar bears and the, the uh, seals, walruses, uh, all those animals up there, the many many varieties of birds uh, who depend, uh, penguins, for instance, uh, who depend on uh, an ice cover in order to live, uh, are going to be on uh, gravel without any kind of vegetation very soon and probably already are in many cases. Uh, so... If we if we don't take it seriously, we are going to kill the planet. And nobody seems to be paying too much attention. You don't hear about it much in the news until a tornado strikes. Uh, one d- destroyed the city of Joplin in southern Missouri, which was the n- nearest large town to where my where Crowder College is. Crowder College is in a small town called Neosho, Missouri, and Joplin's about 25 or 30 miles away, and it got wiped out in 2011. Wow. And many people killed uh, by a tornado. And there have been many of these huge tornadoes, one in Greenville, Oklahoma, and Newcastle, Newcastle Moore, Oklahoma, uh, and other places... uh, including in Texas. Um, So uh, tornadoes are a big danger if you don't get hit by hurricanes (laughs) or floods or fires. And so we are, uh, of course, along the coast, uh, things are are serious because the water level of the sea is rising. And so all of those lovely resorts that uh, were right on the edge of the ocean or the gulf are going to be flooded very soon if they aren't already. Have so, you, uh, not to cut you, you off, but have you have you experienced a tornado in Texas since you've been there? Yes, yes, there was one that, uh, oddly enough, I have uh, ivy that grows on my walls, 
of my uh, brick house. I, I don't know whether you noticed that. No, I, I, I didn't. Here. I didn't. It, because it's around the back of the house rather than yeah. the front. <laughs> but in any case, it shaved that uh, ivy right off the walls and, of course, took the roof off no. of the house. Part, the northern side of the roof uh, was sitting in the on the front lawn after that. And uh, I've I've had to replace my roof three times in three years. Oh my gosh! What what year yeah. was that? The tornado hit. Oh, it must have been three years ago. Okay, so that would be ninety. Uh, uh, no, I mean sorry, it would be nineteen probably. No kidding! Oh, I didn't know. Oh, you had a you had a tornado 18. that recent? Maybe it was eighteen. Yeah, but wow! Uh, yeah, but it, it was it was a small tornado. Uh, it it uh, actually landed in uh, about two blocks uh, north of me, no, south of me, south of me. Oh my gosh! Uh, and uh, uprooted trees and took off more roofs. Uh, with me, it just did a glancing blow on this house, and, uh, and as I say, took off big portions of the. Uh, of the roof on the north side. Were you in the house but at I, the time? No, we. Uh, I, I was in Europe at the time. Yeah. And they uh, had a, a cat sitter come in uh, once a day to feed the cats, and uh, she uh, she phoned and told me what, what had happened. And so, of course, I took measures from over there, and as soon as I got home, took... Uh, uh, Better made made sure, uh, better made sure that uh, that everything was set to rights. Uh, but it, the fact that it could shave the ivy off the house <laughs> that was a new phenomenon to me. Wow! Wow! <laughs> wow! Just I, I mean, it's amazing. Every once in a while, we'll get hit with. Uh, a hurricane and you know deal with flooding but the the devastation that um uh, that you folks feel with the tornadoes i think are far worse although our friends that suffered uh heavily from superstorm sandy um uh, would disagree with me i mean their their lives were completely many were destroyed and set aside i you know i have relatives that were that were um uh hit terribly by by Sandy. In fact, uh, my young niece stayed with us for almost a month, and they never quite got back to normal. I mean, that was 2012. That was, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, they never quite got back to normal. Just think of that. And, I mean, that, that happens to families. They got they got wiped out. They were displaced. So, you know, I mean, all kinds of things when family happen when things, families are displaced. And, you know, right. again, for somebody to say there's no uh, a, a climate problem or climate change, I, I mean, I, how how is it even possible? How can an intelligent human being look you in the eye and say that there's no climate change? It's, of course there's well, climate change. Well, I think change. they've changed the tune slightly. They admit that the climate is changing, but we humans have had nothing to do with it. Of course. We are completely free of guilt in this matter. Therefore, we can continue polluting and burning fossil fuels and uh, and on and on because uh, we had nothing to do with it we're innocent it's yeah. it's mother nature evil mother nature she's doing it all to us 
or That's God's mad at, or God's mad at somebody and and is doing it uh, for that reason or whatever. Right? <laughs> and it, you know who knows. Um, it, you know I've heard someone say uh, uh, once that uh, I, I think something happened right after marriage equality hit um, somewhere and some religious <laughs> fanatically religious individual and i, I gotta watch uh they li- <laughs> listen to me but said you know it's funny that this happened after uh the gays started getting married and i just said oh my god i said i can't even have this conversation <laughs> with you you right. know it's yeah. right. you know when you start when when you start talking about god as being a, a vengeful sort because he didn't want uh you know people who truly love each other to uh to to coexist together and and will uh will punish the rest of us by plague uh come on right. I, have you by the way have you heard as an excuse for for climate uh climate change and and the climate a disaster that we're experiencing now, and certainly in the West, with the uh, fires. I, I mean, just in, insanity. What we saw in the last in the last year, and uh, you know that coupled with the pandemic. D- have you heard that as an excuse, especially out there in Texas? Have and you heard? God is mad at us. Yeah. God is, yeah. God is mad at the Democrats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Republicans because they're they're trying to keep it together. They're trying they're trying to keep it all together, but they're mad at the Democrats. Yeah. I mean, have you heard that? Like in a serious. Uh, yes, I've heard that. Yes, I have. Um, but usually, it's a it kind of joke. Uh, when it, when somebody says that, it, they're kind of laughing a little bit. Okay, so all right. Well, they're that's... not taking it quite seriously, but all right, that's a little better, I guess. Do. Yeah, we haven't even talked about the fires in uh, in California, Oregon, Idaho, <laughs> Washington, and uh, and so forth. Uh, Wyoming is really bad. Yeah, um, and uh, and oddly enough, Minnesota. But also states that don't get listed, like uh, New Mexico, for instance, that has beautiful, beautiful uh, mountains, uh, forested mountains that are burning because of the drought. It, it has been hot and dry, uh, unusually hot and dry because of global warming, of course, uh, which mm-hmm. has changed the weather patterns all over the, the globe. Uh, and Spain, Spain burned also, has burned uh, really badly. Uh, and uh, in in this country, there have been 81 large fires with three over three million, three million, think about that, acres burned. Wow. And I fear for the those ancient redwoods in California, which I yeah. saw. And uh, too, stroked, yeah. stroked the the bark of, and walked through the middle of, and so on. And you did too. And they are so miraculous, and they are thousands of years old, and they may go up in smoke because those fires. Of those eighty-one fires, one has been contained. Wow, you know. By the way, you're talking about something that is the the oldest living thing that. Most of us will ever see in our lives uh, something right. that thousands of years old. I mean, just think of what that. I mean, Christ could have seen if he was geographically somewhere different. Christ could have seen some of those uh, redwoods, right? Yes. I mean, it's amazing. It's you know, just think of our history, and if we are to lose those beautiful redwoods, 
what that means. I, I don't even know how to put it in perspective. It's just, and that's too. I know. Yeah. I know. It hurts so badly. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think if you, and I'm not asking you to predict the future, but, uh, well, I maybe I <laughs> maybe I am. Uh, if if you had to take, if you had to take a, a just a wing it uh, type of approach, what do you think the consequence is going to ultimately be of global uh, warming and climate change? Uh, where do you think we end up? You know, say five years from now. Well, if we don't take any measures, drastic measures too. Right. Drastic is uh, the word. Like the ones that uh, President Biden has, has proposed to to switch our autom- automobi- autom- automobiles and uh, trucks and so forth to uh, electric power. And we need to do this massively and also to use uh, uh, solar and wind power as much as possible. Uh, if we do not do this and support this, and that means pass those uh, infrastructure bills, both of them, uh, then we're going to be in deep trouble. And right now they're trying to, uh, to cut the uh, the money that was voted already for the, uh, the smaller of the two uh, infrastructure bills. Uh, that was for roads and bridges and uh, and things visible physical things like that. Uh, they're trying to cut the money out of that, and that was what happened under Obama. Too little money was passed uh, to to stop uh, the the tide of global warming and so on. And uh, our old friend Mitch McConnell. The same now. The Republican Party is trying to do away with these environmental measures because it would do away with the uh, oil industry. Um, And I'm afraid that Joe Manchin is in on the oil uh, industry. He owns several coal mines, by the way, as you probably knew. Yeah, West Virginia. And uh, and so he's in on the fossil fuel uh, end of it. And so he doesn't want uh, to spend too much money alleviating the problem because that would do away with his livelihood and his his wealth and the whole thing uh, this continent this this globe is going to be destroyed by human greed and i believe that the devil's sin was not pride it was greed yeah because that is what is going to do us in if we cannot pass and uh, follow what biden's trying to do he's trying he's taking these measures or proposing these measures that uh, might begin to save us. And such measures are the only things that will save us. But most of us are going along with our uh, uh, polluting automobiles and, and so forth as, as if everything was normal. Yeah, uh, just amazing. Absolutely amazing to me that we are we're uh, even talking about this but you know again you you pointed back to 1962 and rachel carson um really warning people about uh, uh, you know about using things that could be harmful to us in the long run and that was ddt and you know maybe cer- certain people just said okay well let's ddt okay we got rid of ddt ddt we're fine uh, that's just the the tip of the iceberg 
there's so yeah, much more right. uh, to do. But, mm-hmm. you know, amazing that people back then were, were talking about it, and I'm sure even earlier were talking about it. But now uh, the president, the president's taking, uh, he's taking drastic actions. And, and I would hope, I would hope that he would, uh, you know, he would, uh, he would get support from Manchin. But you're right, uh, the, the almighty dollar speaks and it, it talks very loudly and and, uh, and very demonstratively. And and Joe Manchin, if he owns coal mines, I mean, how, let's face it how how helpful do you think he's going to be? Yeah, exactly. Well, that that is the reason why he's standing against just about everything uh, because it would do away with his uh, his living uh, as well. And. Uh, uh, and he he just can't take it. Uh, he cannot. Uh, he can't be a larger, braver, more intelligent man than he is. He's uh, he's somebody who uh, uh, worships the almighty dollar. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, listen. Very, very disturbing. And uh, look, uh, congratulations on the release of Before the Alamo. It, it sounds uh, sounds great, and I urge everybody to listen to the uh, the show, the whole show we did on. But more importantly, get the book. Now you don't have to listen to the show on it. Uh, right. Buy the book, and <laughs> yes. uh, and and get out there on it. Uh, uh, Doc, anything you want to leave us with? Uh, environmental. Uh, well, any I final just, thoughts. I I just hope that all of us will continue to recycle, even though uh, it may be part of it may be destined for the city dump. But uh, part of it may may actually come back in the form of new cans or whatever if it's tin. Uh, so uh, just in paper, obviously paper is actually being recycled. So uh, uh, it's continue to do that little bit that you is it within your power uh, to uh, to help the environment and. Uh, Vote the right way. Vote for for uh, candidates who are proposing measures that are planet-saving measures. I think this is one of the causes that is the most vital because it concerns our very the very ground we stand on. It concerns our planet, and we seem to sort of not think about it. It's not obvious every minute of the day and therefore we forget that we're not living in say 1910 or so when pollution was at a minimum so don't forget to recycle vote correctly for people who are in favor of recycling have solar power wind power and so on and try to live a good life well, yeah, yeah. Well, let me. Oh, go ahead. F- finish your thought. I had one in question. In accordance, in accordance with nature, in harmony with nature, not in destruction of nature. That is, live simply, so we may simply live. Right. Great. Great points. And at the risk of sounding anticlimactic, uh, just a, a quick question before you go: Did did our pollution level drop? I, I heard it did during COVID because there were less people driving and, yes. there were le- and less planes. Yes, it did drop. Yes, it did. How dramatically? 
Right. And how how uh, illustrative of the fact that we are actively polluting everything yeah. uh, when we live our normal lives. Yeah, it's just amazing. You know, we just uh, we're, we're not very forward thinking as a no. uh, as a race, as no, a uh, uh, as a human race. We're, we're just not. Uh, Doc, uh, congratulations on, on on your 15th book. This is your 15th book. And uh, just amazing. Uh, thank you very much for sharing, Doc. And uh, we'll see, see you next week. Right. Everybody stay healthy and safe. And bye before the Alamo, everyone. Frank McKay signing <laughs> off. Yes. Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg has been our host each and every week. Binge listen to everything that we've been doing. But get before the Alamo. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. And we will see you next time on The Florence Weinberg Show.